Tate Chronicles now transmitting. Welcome to the Tate Chronicles on Healthcare Now Radio. And now, here's your host, Jim Tate. Good day, citizens of the free world from border to border, coast to coast, and to all the ships at sea. I bring you a warm welcome. This is your correspondent, Jim Tate, and thank you for tuning into the Tate Chronicles. Join me as we cut through the fog that exists at the leading edge of healthcare technology. I'm very pleased today. My guest is Bevy Miner, Health IT Strategy and Global Chief Marketing Officer for Consensus Cloud Solution. Uh, Consensus Cloud Solution, uh, I've been aware for as long as I've been in HIT technology. I know this company started as an interoperable digital cloud faxing solution 25 years ago and really has grown to be the global leader in this digital cloud fax technology. They've leveraged heritage technology to move from simple digital documents to advanced healthcare standards like HL7 and FHIR, and really that whole conversion of unstructured documents to meaningful structured data. We'll get into all the details, but first, Bevy, welcome to the Tate Chronicles. Thank you. I'm I'm excited to be here and be able to have a discussion with somebody yeah. that's that's been around this world of interoperability for you know, together, probably and, as long as we both have. And w- one of the fascinating things to me, or important things, uh, the goal of interoperability, we want to make sure no one or no technology is left behind as we move forward. You know, could you speak to that a little bit? Because um, I can remember when fax machines first came into a medical practice uh, I was working at. It was extraordinary. We didn't have to call a, a primary care physician and say, give us some information. They could just fax it to us. To me, that was a giant leap forward. A lot of folks are still using uh, that basic fax technology. We don't want it left behind because it's still very functional and is being used. So what does Consistent Cloud Solution do to take that heritage technology but bring it to the world of discrete codified data? Well, I think the way you asked the question was pertinent, not to leave any care setting behind and thus not to leave any patients, you know, patient behind mm-hmm. in terms of sharing the encounter and what, what treatments are being done to particular patients. And so when you think about the fax machine, um, it's easy. You just stand at it and it's it's got an immediate ability to send something, you get a um, a confirmation that something's been sent. And we did a survey of administrators just about not quite two years ago now, um, where 61% of them said, we, yes, we use a fax machine and we don't expect that to go away mm-hmm. anytime soon. But in the interest of interoperability and complete ubiquitous you know, uh, um, way that we want to share patients' data so we can have more of a longitudinal look at not only for the patient in terms of, you know, what's going on with me and can all my records be in one place, but in order to treat holistically a patient, um, the entire care team needs to understand what's happening with that that particular patient. And that has to be digital. It has to be structured. So what we, when you look at a paper fax, we move beyond the paper fax because you can't do anything with a paper fax. You can't, a paper fax sitting in somebody's hand cannot be a fire message. So, but once you've got that 
in a digital cloud faxing method, now you've got the possibilities to do so much with it. It kind of reminds me of the, you know, the EHRs under meaningful use. We wanted just an electronic record of an encounter and what was happening to a patient at point of care. But after we got all that data digitally, we can start doing things like population health and comparative effectiveness and all sorts of really insightful information because the data is digital. So what we do is take that lockdown unstructured digital cloud facts, which is a PDF, yeah. uh, and we make that intelligent by putting our, our product consensus clarity on it. And that pulls out that data that needs to be structured. We can support the USCDI data set. We can send that to a receiving end and make that information um, reliable and um, impactful and map it so that it can be populated inside a patient's record without manual intervention. Now, you also asked a part of that question is, how do we do that in care settings that are not advanced interoperably? So think about a patient that's discharged from the hospital and goes to a skilled nursing facility or goes home to home health. And we're, we're, we're discharging patients at higher levels of acuity than we ever have before. So it's in these other care settings that most of treatment is gonna happen. Well, they may not be on a certified electronic health record. And, and more than likely these, these care settings that were never incentivized to get an EHR anyway, could even be on a three ring binder, such as home health, that, you know, I, I know that that and hospice care, much of that is still on three ring binders where you're just annotating sure. a pen and a piece mm -hmm. of paper is that we have to get them to a level where they can support this, the, you know, the advanced fire um, standards and structures. But we got to get them off of paper when we get them to a digital cloud fax, we can turn that into a fire message. We can go fax to fire and fire to fax. And therefore, those care settings that don't have to invest in getting a, a certified EHR or having some way to receive a structured message or send a structured message, we can start with a digital cloud fax, and then we can participate in, in the growth that's happening with fire-based communication. And you you said it, you know, it's it's sort of where we're all going because it's structured data that can be quickly actionable without having to have somebody look at a lockdown unstructured document. And that's where I think our product consensus clarity, which is our NLP AI solution, mm -hmm. uh, makes sense, uh, you know, running alongside of a, a, an unstructured document. Because at the back end, what happens is you get a JSON file that's completely structured and can be sent as a uh, as a fire message. And it doesn't make any difference where what care setting that is. Well, uh, for our audience, let me uh, give some kind of high-level definitions, um, uh, a certified EHR <clears throat> kind of in the first stages of interoperability uh, to go through certification, there was a requirement that uh, patients' data uh, had to be exported in a file format called a CCDA. This is information uh, in that file on, on one patient. It had uh, structured data of medications, medication allergies, diagnoses, lab results, things like that. And so it uh, is just contains discrete data on that patient or that particular encounter of a patient. Uh, but it's also uh, available in a human readable format. Um, and so uh, the real interoperability aspects of that is that a CCDA 
that's exported could then be imported in a certified system. And that structured data could be brought in as structured data. Uh, and, and you mentioned the fire standard. Uh, and of course, the, the fire standard and the fire requirements kind of breaks down uh, that discrete data on a patient. So if if I wanted to reach out and um, somebody, uh, I, I could receive a CCDA uh, from another practice, or if they were set up with a fire server, I could just request maybe medication allergies on that patient as opposed to all the data that might be in a CCDA. So, uh, you, you know, we're getting the plumbing in place with these CCDAs and fires. Uh, just to uh, clarify a little bit, so uh, your application, Consensus Cloud Solutions, has a number of applications, but the one that, that you'll be talking about is I could send a PDF from uh, my fax machine or I send it electronically or however I send it. Uh, you could take that PDF and with your technology, turn it into a CCDA with discrete data, correct? Yes, and, and we can do that because we have the ability to um, extrapolate the right kind of data using NLP AI, which is that product clarity. Now, mm -hmm. we've got a JSON file, which is just, you know, if you ever see what JSON looks like, it looks like an ASCII file. It's just a bunch of, you know, as you mentioned, it's not necessarily just readable. It's metadata. Mm -hmm. uh, in flight, that can be consumed back into something that is more... Um, you know, consumable on the receiving end, such as the CCDA or the USCDI data set. Um, I think we're on version three now. So that once a provider gets it, it can then be um, readable, consumed, and mapped into a patient's record. And when you think about that in terms of a use case, if a patient is 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 needing to go to, uh, gets out of a discharge from a hospital, needs to go to an ambulance ambulatory surgery center for follow-up care because there needs to be some additional surgery. Now you can take that record with the diagnosis codes and the encounter notes, everything else, and you can create a structured message that can go back to the ASE um, as a referral, for instance, that says we need to send this patient here. And it's structured and can be mapped into their system to accept a, a referral without any human intervention. So we're not adding to the administrative workflow of somebody having to take a lockdown, unstructured PDF, look at it, look at the patient's information, then start doing a bunch of data entry. This just happens automatically and saves so much time between transitions of care so that we can ensure that that continuity of the care is happening as quick as it possibly can. And what happens is that leads to better health outcomes. Patient is treated faster and physicians don't have to worry about having their administrative staff do a lot of, lot of data entry. And that's, that's the workflow that is the future for where we see it, which means to your point, gives validation um, to the fact that there is a lot of unstructured data in healthcare. There's PDF, there's scans, there's all different Absolutely. kinds of information that goes sure. back and forth and back and forth. And it's all unstructured. So you can't all of a sudden have any rulemaking at all that says stop using that tomorrow. Correct. Because we were treating patients. So we have to recognize that that volume is still really, really big. But then how can... The, the, the contents that are in those lockdown unstructured documents be consumable and valuable. Because if we try to create 
um, a system of interoperability. And this is the problem with interoperability today is it's been done with these carve outs that pretty much say, oh, you know, forget that care setting because they don't have the possibility or the way to interoperate with us. Oh, no big deal. So you're just going to be left out. Well, critical access hospitals, you know, 10 bed skilled nursing facilities, Mm -hmm. um, home health, social determinants of health that usually get an order for something in some sort of a portal or phone call. All those care settings have not advanced as far as some of the larger like health systems that can just communicate because everybody's on Epic. Right. If we continue to do that, we will never reach the possibilities of the hope of true interoperability. And we so therefore, we think we sit in a pivotal place to to recognize that that has to be considered. And we're hoping that through some of our work and our advocacy and leadership role that we can get um, CMS and ONC to recognize that, you know, it's it's about time that we started to look at at, at some of the op- opportunities we can take to involve those different care settings and then ensure that the data can still further fire-based standards, USCDI set communication, um, interoperability as we would like to have it. Um, and I think CMS has a short memory that they did not incentivize some of these you know, different locations to get a, a certified EHR under accountable care. They yeah. weren't getting the $44,000 that every physician had to go buy an electronic health record. And hence, they're the ones that are the least advanced in terms of interoperability today. So we've got to figure out a way to make sure that they can still play. If you just joined this episode, I'm Jim Tate and of the Tate Chronicles, and I'm speaking with Bevy Miner of Consensus Cloud Solutions. Well, you know, uh, in some ways, we're starting to get all the plumbing of interoperability in place. Uh, but there certainly has been a lot of talk about this network of networks called TEFCA. What do you think about TEFCA? Is that going to help interoperability? What's the future there? Well, I know there's a lot of grumbling about it, and there's a lot of people that are saying pros and cons. And some of us that have been around a long time, like you and I, are going, yeah, yeah, we've seen this before. But one of the things that I think is happening that we haven't seen before as much of this is, first of all, um, all of the different players that have uh, agreed to be a part of this the framework um and 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 players like epic um announcing that they are going to be a QHIN mm-hmm. it's such a you know a, a a company that sits at the nucleus of a lot of this interoperability is is that we we need to think about how the movement towards you know the Tefka framework and what the um you know requirements are and what the agreements of TEFCA are and and start to realize that so many of us are frustrated that we haven't reached uh, what interoperability is supposed to be. And rather than poo-poo everything, um, sure. but open that up for, you know, comments. And we're in a comment period right now on two really important, meaningful directions of rulemaking and lawmaking. And that is on the advancing interoperability and prior authorization, um, you know, part of the 21st Century Cures Act in movement towards what are we going to do to really make this real and by 2026. And the other one is on attachments. And if you think about, 
those two workflows in particular, prior authorizations and, and attachments are any time a, a provider is asked to send additional information. And many times that is on paper fax sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it it might be even, you know, digitally cloud fax sent, but it's not, it's it's not done in a consumable structured data. So those two are open for public comments now, which are due in March. And and that's where I think um you're starting to see a lot of folks say, okay, okay, how can we really um advance the interoperability um desires that we have and and help mold and shape what Tefka is supposed to be about. Um, and then what QHIN piece is very confusing to a lot of people. I understand that um, the secretary of HHS is going to be announcing next month a list of all of the um, all of the desired participants to be mm-hmm. a QHIN because that that has been kept a pretty big secret um, by HHS today because too many people that were thinking of being a QHIN were using it for marketing purposes. So yes. Yes. You know, CMS said, okay, you can't even say you have applied until yes. we release the list. So it'll be interesting to see who's on that uh, list. But a uh, lot of our partners are going to play in this, and we have yes. to see how we can help them too. And I don't see too many startups. It really needs to be somebody who's been in this field for some time and is already doing some of this kind of work. It's, it's, it's so complex. And I think there's been a little, uh, not too disappointed, but a little slippage in the timing. Um, I think originally uh, we were supposed to, in 2022, in the third and or the fourth quarter, get the announcement of the initial Q hints, maybe. Uh-huh. And and so that has slipped. slipped yeah. and, and the first Q hints are supposed to are supposed to be at least in under the Sequoia project that's yes. the governing body of this right. um, are supposed to be in some way form or shape, you know, up and and at least doing, um, you know, a blueprint for what this is supposed to look like by the end of the year. Many of us believe that's probably going to go into 2024. Yep. Uh, the rulemaking today is saying this has to be in place um, for a lot of it to move forward to advance fire um, by 2026. So at the beginning, January of 2026. So, you know, as as a lot of these rules go into play, they um they do have reiterations of comments and there's a lot of, you know, public private discussion about it. But I think even if it's pushed back, um, this is the, it's inevitable. And we're, we feel pretty excited about pushing and advancing and advocating for a structured data format because <laughs> we, while we, our legacy product is a digital cloud faxing solution, we we do think that while we recognize it and can and and are the best in class in in terms of being able to do digital cloud faxing we can work with our customers and our partners as this is evolving because our roadmap and what we're trying to offer in the industry are these advanced interoperability solutions that can work off of a a fax or unstructured document at its foundation one of the great uh, and I, i'm very excited about the potential of TEFCA and the concept that a uh, provider uh, in North Carolina, where I live, uh, can be seeing a patient and hit a button. And if they're connected to a participant with a with a QHIN, uh, that particular uh, qualified health information network will pull all the other QHINs out there and bring uh, data back quickly. 
if that can be pulled off and if providers actually do it, and it looks like there may be some uh, monetary reimbursement stimulation along that lines, if everything lines up, it, it would be great. Uh, Time is going to tell. Now, you mentioned a little bit about prior authorization process. That's kind of a mess. Um, what consensus solutions uh, help alleviate that frustration and prior authorization for these, you know, expensive radiology scans or imaging? Kind of run the gamut. And, you know, uh, I've seen some statistics that say or data points that say that our prior authorization is costing about $32 billion a year. And it's in um, really unproductive back and forth and back and forth mm -hmm. uh, between the payers and the providers. And prior authorization started with a noble cause on behalf of the payers as they wanted to be able to work in partnership and ensure that the right kind of treatment was being done for particular patients. And they sit on a ton of data on quality effectiveness and what's going to work and not work. And so obviously providers don't do treatment but in the prior authorization process, they can look at what's the next, um, you know, what's the next care plan that this that the physician is trying to put the patient on, and be somewhat informative to that. And today, it's become an administrative, uh, you know, bogged down that's so Absolutely. bad that it harms patients. It's burning out providers at huge, huge levels. Um, they're wringing their hands, and the and the payers are spending so much time and energy manually having to look at a lot of these prior yeah. authorizations. And family phone calls, providers having to be on oh, the phone. Back and forth and back yeah. and forth. Think about the frustration of the patient. Sure. If you have your arm and you're waiting for an MRI, and we've all been through this before, we're all patients, and you're like, where's my MRI? When am I going to get in for the MRI? Well, you haven't been authorized yet. You haven't been authorized right. yet. Yes. Every day that you aren't authorized means you cannot move forward with that particular treatment. Right. The health outcome could be devastating for some patients. So we have patient satisfaction, provider satisfaction, and and payer frustration because this is is become an administrative you know nightmare. Um, and 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 it's so bad that that's what's a lot of the focus on the current rulemaking is right now and proposed rules is how can we shorten this? Yep. Um, how can we make it more efficient? You know, what's what's also interesting about it is that the way we help is if you're going to send in for a prior authorization, um, medications, not so much. They're mostly mm -hmm. electronic prior authorizations today. Through right. a lot of effort and incentives, we're sending things at least electronically, not on a paper fax. Um, medications, not as uh, not medications. That's the medication side. On the mm -hmm. medical side, we still do a lot of manual manual yes. for a prior authorization, and that you know I think the last stat I heard was like forty percent is still done on on paper faxes. So we got to get that changed, and we can help because we do a digital cloud fax. So, but when we think about it, it's still a lockdown unstructured document, and so somebody has to look at it, determine who the patients are, match it to the member record, um, and take a look at um, all the different diagnosis codes, um, you know, mm -hmm. what, what the current plan was, what caused the physician to diagnose it with this or this, and make a decision. And then the whole denial process starts. And then yep. all those attachments go into play. I know it. Um, and, and then if somebody goes on vacation. And it doesn't get right. dealt with it at all. Um, yeah, so, we, so we make it structured so that it mm -hmm. can be zoomed into whatever workflow the payer has. 
and they can make a quick decision that says authorize, don't authorize. And what's important too is that physicians sometimes will write urgent. Yes. That, and our um our artificial intelligence can read handwriting. So we can give the payer a sense that this one you've got to look at now because the patient could be harmed if you really don't. So we help with timing. Bevy, we only have a couple more minutes, but there's a couple more things I want to touch base with you about. I know that uh, consensus finalized the acquisition of Summit Healthcare last year. How's the addition of those solutions help solve uh, additional challenges in healthcare? So when we think about our product conductor, which is really based on the um, interoperability product that Summit um, had, which was called Summit Exchange, mm-hmm. uh, it, it it is interfaces. It's the highway that the data has to, you know, that travels on. But what Summit Exchange did, it didn't care about the data format. It could come in in any kind of format and um, Summit Exchange can support HL7 and Fire, et cetera. That's now called conductor, which is a... a, a a, a new product that we have combined with a number of our different solutions. So that is the foundation for our um, our engine, our interoperability engine. So you could start with a digital cloud fax. We add consensus clarity on top of that to pull out with our NLP AI structured data. And then through our, um, our interoperability engine, we have a mapper that can map that, you know, here's here's where these different fields need to go into the receiving um, the receiving EHR on the other end. And um, it really helps us facilitate the one turnkey ability to be able to do that. Um, otherwise, we'd have to map into an HIE or right. we'd have to, you know, have some sort of transport mechanism for our structured data. And we don't have to do that with the Summit um, Summit um, Healthcare Acquisition. We've got the tools and the solutions. And we also have a an RPA solution that is going to be evolving for us as well in the future to be able to make sure we can reduce manual entry and data entry even further. You know, what you just described in software development world, they call a full stack solution. <laughs> uh, it's, it's layers of software uh, that kind of um, aggregate uh, and kind of build upon uh, each other. Um, I know that there are two huge industry shows coming up. There's uh, Vive in uh, Nashville in March, and then Hems in April in Hems. Uh, can we expect to see consensus at those conferences? Yeah, we'll be on the floor at Vive. Um, we've got a pretty sizable booth there, and we'll be participating Good. in the Chime workshop session as well because we're members of Chime. That's right. <clears throat> What's great about Vive is that you've got all the buyers sitting in a workshop at the same time running parallel with Vive. So, you know, a lot of the problems we're trying to solve as vendors, we're not doing completely in a vacuum because we've got the input from the Chime members there. And then HIMSS, of course, is, you know, the most notable show in healthcare will be in the interoperability showcase, Great. demonstrating just some of the, you know, use cases. And we'll do, be doing that with our partners and stories in interoperability uh, showcase. And we'll be on the floor as well at HIMSS. I'm going to be at uh, both those conferences, and so I'll be on the lookout for consensus. Um, and let me remind our uh, listeners, if you want to find out more about the services provided by consensus and the applications and solutions, consensus.com uh, will lead you right to them. To our audience, thanks for joining me on this episode of the Take Chronicles. I offer special salute to my guest today, Bevy Miner of Consensus. Bevy, thanks for coming aboard today. Thank you. It's been my pleasure.
You can find more information on this show's program page at healthcarenowradio.com. Until we meet again, here's wishing you smooth sailing and safe harbors. Tape Chronicles transmission ending now.